0: When is a man not a man? When his body and mind have been invaded by the Cosmozoids. (laughs) Today on Dumpster Book Club, we're talking about the Cosmozoids by Robert Trowlens. I'm Sean. And I'm Mimi. And this book is kind of like an episode of Marvin Martian on Earth. You know, like there's the shitty guy trying to, the shitty Martian trying to take over the Earth, and then Bugs Bunny just fouls him up by being Bugs Bunny. Uh, the back or Yep. Whatever.
1: Pretty much.
0: <clears throat> this book was sent in to us by our good friend Elaine. Friend of the show, Elaine. It is also presented to us by your Boy <laughs> We picked this book because we wanted to do uh, an Elaine book. She gave us quite a few. And because it's got this gross mottled green color. So it's very March themed.
1: Yep. The pages are green. The back is green. The cover is kind of green.
0: The cover is disgusting (laughs) it's it's almost black green with a brown red planet on it with some darker red and light purple designs in it circles and
1: it kind of looks like meat like bubbling (sighs) meat
0: and then Pushing out from the mire is a man's face making a really funny facial expression and a sort of meat man.
1: (laughs) At least a third of the cover is the tagline, though.
0: Which is in huge text. And the Cosmozoids... I like the font for the Cosmozoids. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty funky. Robert Trollins. Um...
0: Is it Trollins? Is he British? Robert Trollins? <laughs> <Hold on. sighs> Sorry. I mean, it can't be. This is so classically American pulp sci-fi trash. There's no way this can be a British author.
1: I looked up Robert Trollins, and he's on IMDb because in the 90s he started writing... Episodes of beyond belief fact or fiction. Huh. But but he has a bunch of novels like this one from the sixties. He writes spy adventures about lady spies.
0: I can see that.
1: He's also written a bunch of nonfiction, a lot of it about ESP, clairvoyance.
0: <laughs> oh no.
1: Supernatural occurrences, that kind of thing.
0: Nonviction.
1: Yeah. Which is probably how he got into writing for Beyond Belief.
0: Yeah. Okay, well let's talk about the cosmozoids. Our main our main character is Jim, which is short for James Keith.
1: He's a space army man.
0: It's unclear where the line is drawn between army man and spaceman. And he has just come back from completing the first space transfer. It sounds like he left one spaceship and entered another spaceship. Oh. Right?
1: I don't remember what he did, but he was the first to do it and it happened in space.
0: I think it's the first person to be out in space without a spaceship.
1: Oh, okay. And now they're putting him on
0: leave. And after that, he started acting strange and they're not sure what to do with him. So they're sending him away. And the way he's been acting strange is that he's been having visions of the future that have been coming true. And they're not really sure how to deal with this. This is the first time someone's been out in space. So they're going to send him to a parapsychologist, which it sounds like maybe a job that Robert Trallon's wishes existed. (laughs) And he's sent there by his commanding officer and best friend, Colonel Phelps aka Hank. So in the beginning of the book, they're not friends based on a past experience they had where they got attacked by some they got attacked by some people while in Thailand.
1: I don't remember where they were, but some military experience they had. I think
0: they're in Thailand they got attacked by some people and Jim beat them all up and Hank didn't. So now Hank doesn't like Jim anymore.
1: Because he's like ashamed or something (laughs) that Jim saved his life.
0: But. It's embarrassing. The reason this is in there is because they want to have a stern commanding officer and for him to have a best friend without having any more (laughs) characters in the book. So just have one guy be both of them as they need throughout the book. And then there's Dottie who is. Jim's fiance, who he takes with her.
1: He takes with him.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> who he takes with him off to visit this parapsychologist. He's somewhere in another part of the U.S., so they have to go get a room there and live there for a while.
1: Going on an adventure together. I think it was a little frustrating to read their initial interactions at the start of the book where he's acting a little bit like a crazy person and making decisions like, no, we can't get on this plane. We're going to get on a different plane. Dottie tries to ask, like, why can't we get on this plane? But there's nothing to
0: explain. (laughs) There's nothing to explain.
1: (laughs) He's just not telling her anything about anything.
0: I actually wrote down this page because... This is a good example of the writing in the book. Uh Uh-huh. Let me find it. So this is right after Jim has called the airport to change their flight plans without asking or telling Dottie. And Dottie says, Jim, will you kindly explain your actions? Why did you change our reservations? And then uh, he refuses to. Uh, She throws up her arms And drops them suddenly in defeat when she realizes how little sense his unexplained action made. (laughs) Uh, I just wrote it down because it was very weird.
1: Yeah. Some of the writing also felt like it belonged in like a picture book. It was like (laughs) so simple.
0: Yes. It was very. Jim does this, and then Jim does this, and then Jim does this. (laughs) Just over and over and over again. (laughs) So they eventually do fly to wherever they're supposed to be going, and they go on their later flight, and it turns out the flight that he called to cancel crashed, which I guess he saw in a vision and just didn't tell anyone. And then they go to meet Dr. Burr.
1: Weirdly sinister parapsychologist.
0: Yes. To have an initial, what, checkup, visit, talk.
1: But then Jim and Dottie immediately, like, leave to do...
0: They decide to test out his clairvoyant powers at the races. Have a fun experience. But I guess they drive really far away to try this out. So no one recognizes them. Okay. Okay. In this place where they're already have fun too.
1: (laughs) And he's clairvoyant. So they win a bunch of money that was not very exciting at all. Since we already know he's clairvoyant.
0: (laughs) While they're driving back, Jim has another episode and can't drive anymore. He goes catatonic with whatever his vision is. Although they don't ever say what his vision is for this part. And it doesn't help him throughout the rest of the... He never goes, oh, I saw this when we were in the car. Like, what did he see? Was it super far in the future? I feel like what happens right after would be important information to a clairvoyant.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this thread was never resolved or explained.
0: The clairvoyancy is never... Just eventually they just stop talking about it in the book. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I thought maybe this episode was, like, because he tried to, like, overexert exert his clairvoyance oh, okay. at the races. Like, he you was using migraine. it too much, so his brain shut off. But it wasn't really that.
0: It could have been. I thought he was having another vision.
1: So then Dr. Burr gives Dottie some pills. He has a weird, sexy nurse assistant. She tries to give Jim some pills. But he doesn't take them, right?
0: He does the put under your tongue trick, fakes her out.
1: Um, it's a good thing he did because it turns out Doctor Burr is an alien in human skin.
0: <laughs> Just turns out Doctor Burr is an alien,
1: um, and
0: those were mind control pills. Specifically, they roboticize a person. <laughs> Which is why the nurse, Nanette, is so weird, is because she's a roboticized human.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: And then this whole funny episode happens where Dr. Burr takes Dottie away because she's been roboticized. And Nanette, who isn't like this at all in the rest of the book, is sassy and starts telling Jim, Oh, she's going to cheat on you with Dr. Burr. But she's a robot and only does what people tell her to do, except for this one part in the beginning where she's <laughs> teasing him of her own volition. But in the rest of the book, she can't even. She just it doesn't move unless someone tells her to.
1: Did Dr. Burr like tell her to seduce him or something and get him <laughs> to take the pills? I was this assuming how, uh... that was it. But it was so <sighs> Then Jim gets all like immediately. Jealous, but also just, like, furious with Dottie that she's, like, she might be flirting with Dr. Burr. Who is
0: very clearly acting weird.
1: Yeah, like, blank expression, like, unmoving, kind of. Jim has to do some investigation to find out what's going on and sneaks around.
0: As he's doing this, he has a vision of his friend Hank coming to visit him and getting jumped By two guys. So he runs out. He escapes this facility without worrying about Dottie at all. Goes and finds where Hank is planning to go. Warns him that some guys are going to beat him up. But does nothing. And lets Hank beat up the guys. Which then restores Hank's self-confidence. So that they can be (laughs) friends again. And he tells Hank all of this. Hank believes him. And then says, oh, but you should go back. So we have a man on the inside.
1: <sighs> okay. I wrote down the scene <laughs> where where Jim warns Hank.
0: Is this the part that you laughed at yes. so hard?
1: Oh, my gosh. And, okay, I made a lot of notes that were all kind of related to the same thread, which is that Jim is really into, like, the mysteries of the Orient.
0: Yeah, it's it's fine for most of it <laughs> until the one part where it gets really uncomfortable. <laughs> we'll
1: come back to that. <laughs> but uh oh my gosh, it said he, Jim had an interest in the occult and mystic practices of the Orient which he was forever studying. So, it's the middle of the night, Hanks about to get jumped by these these guys cupping his hands to his mouth. Jim sucked in a deep breath and let out a terrifying yell. Kia! <laughs> The sound of that karate cry, coming from the dark recesses of the past, splitting the pre-dawn darkness like a primeval shriek, (laughs) jolted the colonel into action, moving into a karate street-fighting stance, crouching, spinning around to confront his assailants, knife hands held rigid, palms parallel, fingertips extended. The military man met the first of the two attackers with a bone-snapping slash across the bridge of the nose. The other man, easily outweighing Hank by at least a hundred pounds, seized him around the middle with a powerful bear hug, executing an accurately aimed double knuckle punch at both (laughs) of the assailant's ears at the same moment. Hank broke the hold and dropped him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god.
0: I imagine you, someone yelling at you. And then you're like head shrinking into your shoulders and <laughs> like looking back and forth. Not getting into a karate pose no, or anything. Yeah. Just, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I would be able to accurately aim a double knuckle punch.
0: Yeah, or you could just yell, look out, or there's some bad guys. You don't need to.
1: You don't need to karate yell. <laughs> So,
0: But how dumb is it that Jim just goes back?
1: And then and, just goes to sleep. Yeah. In his bed.
0: But even dumber <laughs> is Dr. Burr, who is so surprised that Jim didn't become roboticized. Oh, I gave you these pills that roboticize you, but you didn't. Your brain must be extra powerful, and that's the reason.
1: He thinks Jim is some, like,
0: superior being... He could not imagine that Jim somehow foiled the roboticized Nanette and didn't take the pills.
1: (laughs) Dr. Burr wants Jim to help him.
0: Because of his special brain. Uh,
1: Dr. Burr is like the most ridiculous villain.
0: He's He's trying to take over the world, in case you guys didn't guess.
1: He wants to take over the world by roboticizing everyone. Why? <laughs> um Also, he's some, like, alien being that can travel through time and space. He, like, traveled to Earth on some, like, light beam and he can go, like, backward and forward in, in time and...
0: They did mention that and then time travel never comes up because the reason... This doesn't matter because they don't follow (laughs) through, but the reason Jim can tell the future is because his brain traveled forward in time ahead of his body.
1: That all happened when he went out into space.
0: Um, And then, yeah, Dr. Burr says, oh, I can travel back and forth in time too, but then never brings it up again, and it never happens or matters.
1: And why would this being... Why would his ultimate goal be to take over the world?
0: (laughs) Well, funny you should ask, because Dr. Burr explains (laughs) that he is incapable of creative thought.
1: (laughs) Right, right.
0: His race of beings have evolved past creativity. It is unnecessary. (laughs) And this is why he needs Jim for his special creative brain. To help him come up with a scheme to take over the world. <sighs> Mimi's doing that thing when she's thinking really hard where she presses her fingers to her <laughs> forehead.
1: <sighs> oh my god. So, yeah, so far his work is not going very well because.
0: Well, he thinks he's doing great. He's
1: very proud of himself, <laughs> but he's spent years on Earth.
0: He's been on Earth for two years.
1: And he's got like, what, a thousand people so far?
0: I wrote down, he's so far controlling, he has roboticized 1,300 humans (laughs) in two years. And this is an alien who is so far evolved, it doesn't need creativity, and can travel back and forth through time, and has super advanced technology, and has a pill, and injection, and little hat- that all do the same thing of immediately and permanently roboticizing someone. And he's only taken over 1,300 people in two years.
1: Um, so.
0: Like I said, kind of Marvin Martian.
1: Do you want to explain the hair plan?
0: Well, so other than giving people pills, you can also just inject people. With this roboticized stuff. But also, he has a little hat version. Where you put a hat on someone's head. And then their head shakes for a bit. And then they become roboticized. I don't know why he made three different ways of doing it. Because that seems kind of creative. (laughs) And he wants Jim. He's holding Jim hostage with Dottie. And uh, because he can kill Jim with his uh, special powers. And Jim has to come up with a creative way to roboticize more people. And Jim's idea is you tell everyone that you can make people's hair grow back naturally with these little hats. And Jim's so proud of his great idea. <laughs> but what's funny is Dr. Burr actually makes the hat do this. <laughs> He says, oh, okay, and then really makes a hat that brings back all your hair, but then also roboticizes you <laughs> And and Jim has this moment where he says well Why do we need to roboticize people if we have this hat? We could just be the richest people in the world and basically control it And Doctor was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to control an earth made of robots <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. If this is all he needed Jim's creative brain for. Like, he's operating as a normal human being, fitting into society. Couldn't he have just, like, hired a marketing team?
0: (laughs) Well, they didn't have special brains.
1: (laughs) Um, Eventually, Dr. Burr figures out I don't know. He, like, figures out Jim's bluff somehow.
0: So, one of Dr. Burr's powers is he can read Jim's mind.
1: <laughs> oh, right, Which right.
0: is a huge part of the book where Jim is constantly, don't think about this, think about this, the whole time. So, he's always trying to think pleasant thoughts about Dr. Burr, which tricks Dr. Burr. <laughs> Dr. Burr could not imagine someone lying.
1: Not only did he do the... Pill under the tongue trick. He manages to keep that entirely out of his brain.
0: Yeah, which is really funny because I I would never be able to do this. <laughs> I cannot control my brain in the slightest.
1: Maybe Jim really does have a superior brain. I
0: guess so. He can. He's so superior, he can think about one thing all day. Anyways, so Dr. Bird uh, figures out that he's not super into him, and holds him in a photon field proton field
1: Uh, yeah yeah, some kind of like anti-gravity thing he suspends
0: him in the air which would be really uncomfortable except jim knows the mysteries of the orient and meditates
1: (laughs) okay there's like a full page
0: it's two pages of (gasps) italics (laughs)
1: <laughs> of the meditation that he it, says to himself. It's so
0: uncomfortable. It's really rough.
1: And and after after this, you know, two pages of Italic's text, there was another part that I thought was really funny. As the hours passed, he began to reach higher and higher planes of consciousness. Until gradually he began to feel the invisible bonds begin to grow weaker and begin to fall away. And he's like. Uh, basically about to free himself using just his powers of meditation and higher planes of consciousness to just get out of this trap but then dr burr walks in and interrupts it (laughs) and he never uses meditation to solve anything ever again
0: yeah it comes out of nowhere and then disappears right after that
1: (laughs) it's it disappears as quickly as it came
0: I thought it was this one, but there's another part near the end of the book where it's two or three pages of all italics.
1: Oh, yeah. That's when they explain the moral of the story.
0: Yeah. But I thought it was this other one. Anyway, in those three pages of italics, there's one word that isn't italicized, which is unless. But it's not it's not key or important. They just forgot to italicize one word in the middle of this block of text.
1: There were a ton of typos in this book.
0: Yes, that's true. But this one was very obvious because you can look at the page from two feet away and see the one word that isn't italicized.
1: Uh, Maybe you're supposed to read that one emphasized.
0: (laughs) But it's not an important word in the thing.
1: (laughs) Okay. Jim eventually does escape from this trap, even though the meditation that we hear so much about is not used at all.
0: No, he just finds a steel bar and just pries everything open with it.
1: <laughs> um.
0: And that's when he meets the Cosmozoids. So Dr. Burr is not a Cosmozoid. He's a Cosmopath. And Cosmozoids are minions of his. Yes. And there's a lot of other Cosmo things that I kind of just <laughs> zoned out for.
1: And using that iron bar, Jim's Jim discovers that they're hurt by loud, high-pitched sounds.
0: And he just bangs it on everything because it's super loud and high-pitched. So here's how here is Jim's brilliant escape plan. He rips the metal part off of his chair and bangs it on things to hurt the cosmozoids. He tells Nanette, who is the robot that Dr. Burr made, to take him where they keep the antidotes, and Nanette does. Yep. <laughs> and Dr. Burr never considered that Jim would tell Nanette to do something.
1: Yeah, this was kind of weird, because at the beginning, it seems like Dr. Burr can remote control all of his cosmozoids. He like gives them some commands over like a radio or something.
0: Okay, it's really funny how he controls them, because it's he has to communicate with them. So, he's controlling 1,300 robots, but in order to give them an order, he has to patch in a radio to them and tell them what to do. (laughs) There's no hierarchy of orders or anything. He has to directly control every single robot he makes, (laughs) or else they do nothing.
1: And if anyone else gives them orders, they follow those (laughs) instead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst. Why would you want Earth to be this?
1: Oh my Maybe God. that's why he's
0: only made 1300 because other people keep sort of stealing <laughs> them by telling them to do other stuff.
1: Oh, my God.
0: That's the harder part. It would be pretty easy to inject everyone with this roboticizing thing, but then he also put a radio on all of them and have a button for each person so he <laughs> could communicate with them.
1: I also thought that he could, like... I mean, I guess I assumed that he was a lot more advanced where it was kind of like a, like hive mind thing where he could see what they see or something, but it doesn't seem like he can either. He just has cameras everywhere.
0: Earlier on, he even shows Jim that Jim can control them. Because Jim doesn't believe him and he says, oh, go press those five buttons over there and tell them all to jump off of a building. And so Jim walks over, presses the five buttons, tells them to jump off the highest building, and then in the news, five people jumped off the same building in New York. So Uh Dr. Burr shows Jim that he has power over these robots and doesn't consider this a bad idea at all.
1: Also, to do this demonstration... He had to kill five of his Cosmozoids. That's
0: kind of a big percentage he had to right work
1: now. So hard to get them. <laughs> Why did he do that? So Nanette follows Jim's orders, takes him to the antidote.
0: Which is funny. Why does he have an antidote? Why did Dr. Burr make an antidote? He didn't originally plan to have Jim the creative brain. He originally just planned to make a whole planet of robots. And then why does he just have them in his office? (laughs) Not even in the control room or locked. They're just in a drawer. And why does Nanette know about them?
1: (laughs) Well, this turns back Nanette and Dottie.
0: Then they escape. They leave. And Jim, they run to a forest and Jim just leaves Nanette and Dottie under a bridge. You guys stay here and goes and finds Hank.
1: Who got immediately turned into a cosmozoid as soon as Jim left him the last time around. Yeah. Instead
0: of going and informing someone that this is happening, somehow the cosmozoids got him and turned him into a robot. Cosmozoids are different than robots. Oh. Yeah. You just said Hank got turned into a cosmozoid.
1: I thought the co- I thought they were the same. No. What?
0: There's cosmopaths, which is what Dr. Yeah. Burr is. And then there's cosmozoids, which are aliens that also inhabit people's minds and control them but they have free will kind of they still do what dr burr says because he's the cosmopath and they're still kind of like robots and then there's roboticized humans
1: okay okay
0: it's a this actually doesn't get explained until the end of the book the difference between a cosmopath a cosmozoid and a robot okay but uh hank is a robot not a cosmozoid you can't you can't uh the antidote doesn't turn cosmozoids back into humans if you're a human and you get turned into a cosmosoid, you're that forever and and if you die the human dies
1: oh uh, okay i thought they just like blast the air horns at mm. those like army guys and make the, the and that kills come them out i thought the army guys were fine afterward the
0: roboticized ones were and the ones who weren't roboticized at all were but there were some cosmosoids hidden among oh, them
1: Jeez. okay all
0: right sure but the thing is it only matters for one instance in the end that there's a difference. And even then, it doesn't really matter. There's no reason there needs to be cosmozoids and robots. All right. Anyway, I didn't mean to correct you. I just...
1: That's okay. Uh...
0: Uh, where were... Oh, Jim gives okay. Hank the antidote and he's unroboticized.
1: The confrontation with Hank was pretty funny because it really illustrated that. Like, Hank has orders... To kill Jim, but then Jim shows up and is like, actually don't do that. And he's like, Okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jim immediately supersedes Dr. Burr's orders to <laughs> Hank. Which why didn't he do that all the time after that? Anytime yeah. there's a robot just, <laughs> oh actually no, Dr. Burr said I could tell you to do this and
1: makes him a pretty easy <laughs> enemy to defeat. But Jim goes back to face Dr. Burr in the final confrontation, and Dr. Burr causes an explosion because he has a tank of heated liquid helium, which is explosive, which makes no sense because to get liquid helium, it it even says it's like 400 and something degrees. Mm -hmm. To get liquid helium, you have to cool it.
0: Right. Because it's normally a gas.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it's a noble gas, which means it's like inert. The the most stable, right? Not explosive, non-flammable. But, uh...
0: Why why then did he stop making up things? Why did he all of a sudden need to have a real (laughs) element? Why couldn't it have just been a purple gas... (laughs) or
1: a steaming vat of cosmogas yeah Uh, why did it
0: have to be liquid helium there
1: at like 425 degrees why which
0: which would just be a room that's really hot with nothing in it Uh, but also he just puts an electrical console into it so the thing that causes the giant explosion is liquid helium meeting electricity (laughs) which causes a giant explosion and at the end, Nanette is now dead, too, because it turns out Nanette was also a cosmopath and was weak to high pitch sounds.
1: She came here following Dr. Burr to make sure that he didn't do his evil plan.
0: She's a good cosmopath who was going to stop Dr. Burr, but then he got her and roboticized her.
1: Oh, really? I thought she was, like, she was, like, the person on the inside, like, trying to stay close
0: well, she was, but then she got roboticized. Oh, okay. He figured her out.
1: Okay. And
0: instead of just killing her, he kept her around as a robot that anyone could tell her what to do. <laughs> okay. Um, but what's funny about this scene is Nanette dies before Jim gets there. She tells Dottie to tell Jim all of this. But as she's dying, she tells Dottie four pages worth of information. <laughs> That Dottie then remembers and recites to Jim.
1: (laughs) They could have had him get to her and she tells him directly, but, uh, no.
0: (laughs) What's the moral of this story?
1: I am pretty sure that the moral of the story is that being like Dr. Burr is bad. (laughs) And that you can't, like, have a good society if you have people like Dr. Burr in it.
0: Bad guys? People who,
1: you know, want to take over the whole world and turn it into robots.
0: Those are bad for society.
1: Yeah. So that's why Dr. Burr got banished from their world.
0: From the cosmopath world.
1: Yeah. Because he was a bad guy. But then...
0: Does that mean Nanette is evolved past creativity also, though? Or did that happen after he was banished?
1: I don't know. (laughs) Do you have any other thoughts about this book?
0: (laughs) Um... My additional thought was that thing about him having to manually control each each one, which we managed to talk about. The only other thing that I thought was funny is Doctor Burr has traps at certain doorways that doesn't want people to get through, and the way to unlock the trap is there's a series of tiles that you have to step on in a certain pattern.
1: Do some like DDR? <laughs> yeah,
0: and the Jim tiles. Jim just brute forces all of these; it gets through them <laughs> <Yeah>. very easily. <laughs> those were uh those are my two this one right here where we wrote dr burr is really dumb (laughs) we've kind of
1: i think we covered that We've
0: covered it throughout the episode
1: (laughs) yeah overall this book really didn't seem well thought out there were so many threads that just went nowhere or were unexplained like
0: the fact that jim could see into the future that they just stopped talking about (laughs) <laughs> what happens at the end could he still see the future does body catch up with his brain we don't know
1: <laughs> also i think anytime these show up because of hobgoblin i'm just gonna immediately recognize them and hate it but we got the words riley someone biting their lip and instead of saying things coolly it was always icy or icily which happened multiple
0: times. Mm-hmm.
1: People don't just bite their lip when they're feeling this emotion. Not, I don't know.
0: I think I do sometimes. <laughs> well, not when I feel amorous, for sure. <laughs> Maybe if I'm thinking about something absentmindedly.
1: Well, who do you think this book is for?
0: Oh, God, I didn't do it again. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about it again. This one's hard. I know we've said it a few times where we don't really think it's for anyone, but man, who would who would it who would enjoy this book? Who would this book speak to? I
1: had a hard time with this also, because if you're interested in any of the concepts in this book, they're explored in like more depth with more thought in so many other places. I mean, even at the time that this came out, I was thinking like invasions of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the Thing from Another World were already around. If you're really into aliens that...
0: Uh, yeah, this was 1966, so I think a Space Odyssey existed then, or would within a year.
1: If you're into aliens that take over human bodies, that's done better elsewhere. And
0: Yeah, so you, you wouldn't be reading this to explore its themes. And you definitely wouldn't get anything out of it if you're... If you're one of those people who likes hard science fiction or is into the science of it. <laughs> he's pretty off. <laughs> yep. And it's the adventure is so small and unadventurous. It's not going to be good for anyone who's into the pulp stuff cuz it's it's not a high intensity adventure. It's it's so bland and boring and it's not a it's not a big space opera. It takes it all takes place within a couple miles of this one laboratory. They don't. There's no spaceships. There's. They mention a laser, but you don't see. There's no laser guns. The only weapon is a is a bar.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's kind of a cop out, but I don't think this book would. It's just not a good book. It's not bad. I know it is bad. It's bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I kept thinking I was like, it's, it's not like it's that bad. It's not
0: offensively bad. It's not like Probability Man that hurt to read. It's not like Hobgoblin where you you're just cringing and like forcing your way through it. It's pretty quick and easy to read. Um, the only awkward parts are the the mysteries of the Orient parts. It's just
1: forgettable, uninteresting. I don't know.
0: Stupid. <laughs> It's only memorable in its stupidity.
1: (laughs) Yes. Every part of it is just so dumb.
0: Even I would rather read those really rough Robert Silverberg pulp stories than this pulp story. I thought those were even better done than this. And those were so sarcastic and obviously just to make a buck. Why did this guy write this? What was he trying to say? What was he trying to do? He didn't make any money.
1: <laughs> I think maybe, well, he's clearly into parapsychology. Right, clairvoyance. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 It's got all the things he likes.
0: That's true. But even if you're into that kind of stuff, they forget about it halfway through the book.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess Robert Trellins is also really into karate.
0: Yes, That makes sense. (laughs) Although the combat scenes were comically hilarious.
1: (laughs) I think you mean awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess that's it for the Cosmozoids. Thanks again, Elaine, for giving us this book. It was really goofy.
1: Thanks, Elaine.
0: If you'd like to join us next month, we're reading The Seedling Stars by James Blish.